0: I was uh I was in preparation for this and uh I called my father on the phone and I told him that I'm um, speaking today and we began to talk like we normally do and he goes into his biblical stories and he's began to tell me about his life and I'm like wow and I it, it, all these things that he's began to tell me like things that he never told me before about how he how he was before he was saved and and we stumbled upon um, one of, the, one of the, um, the parables that Jesus spoke about in um, Luke 16 that's related to the story. And I'm like, wow, like, I need to write this down. I'm incorporated. And if you look in Luke 16, it talks about the parable of the, um, the, it's the rich man and Lazarus, right? And Lazarus at the time, he was poor, didn't have anything. And he was begging. And there was a rich man who had everything. and he didn't want to give anything to Lazarus. And so as the story goes, they both died. And um, the rich man, who didn't have a name, he saw from a distance, he saw Lazarus dead, but he was like in heaven with Abraham, as they put it. And he he asked Abraham, Abraham, won't you send Lazarus to come? It's burning hot down here. He was like very hot because he was in hell. And he said, could you ask Lazarus, can you send Lazarus down here, the poor man, to just come and just dip dip a drop of water onto my tongue to help ease the pain? He said, no, you can't do that because there's an abyss, there's a big, you you can't cross. And he said, okay, just do this one last thing. Since he can't come, I have five brothers. Go and warn them about this place because they're probably just like him. They invested all their time and energy building their kingdom here on earth instead of um, the afterlife. And then Lazarus, obviously, in this story is the reverse. He invested all this time and energy. No matter, even though he didn't have everything here on earth, everything was focused on the afterlife. And so this man didn't have faith, but he wanted his brothers to have faith. And the person I'm talking to is consider someone like talking about someone like the father of faith if you look in hebrews it talks about him a lot in hebrews 11 we're going through several characters in hebrews 11 and if you just turn with me there we can just briefly go over um, who abraham was and as we go through that after we go through that i want to give you a, a more background and then we can end with a few takeaways how does that sound all right, somebody's paying attention. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right, Hebrews eleven. He's mentioned in three different sections on Hebrews eleven. Um, the the first one is. Uh, it just talks about the, the It introduces all the people that they will be talked about in the Hall of Fame. Hebrews eleven. If you skip down at verse eight, it says by faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of a place that he will receive an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. But by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in a foreign country. This will all make sense as we go deeper into the, today's talk. He dwelt in twint, tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs of the heirs of him, or the, the major patriarchs of the Bible, um, of the same promise for he waited for the city, which, he, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And then later on, it talks about him in verse 17. It says, by faith, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, which we will talk about at the end of today. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac, your seed shall be called concluding the God, that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he has also received in him, um, received him in a figurative sense. Then it goes on to talk about his sons, uh, which we won't cover. But um, today, uh, Abraham, if you just look at the book of Genesis alone, he spans, his life spans over 10 to 15 chapters. And so I have about 17 more minutes left to cover Not only that, but Abraham, he's a very notable figure in the Bible. Like he's mentioned 200 some odd times in the Bible, not just in the Old Testament, but the New Testament. And as I'm going through all these these instances over and over and over, I picked out some things in his life that are major components of his life that I wanna cover. So for anybody who is not familiar with Abraham, or they grew up learning about Abraham. You just forget. We're going to know a lot about Abraham by the time we finish today. Okay. So when Abraham, um, um, when he was 75, God finally spoke to him in Genesis 12, verse. Um, in, in Genesis 12 is when he was first called out. Genesis in Genesis 12, God told him that He's going to make him a father of nations, and that's rather peculiar because at the time, he was married to Sarah E. Her name would be changed to Sarah, and Abraham, Abraham, his name was Abram at one point. You will figure out later why. So Abram and Sarah E, there's a 10 year age gap. So at the time that God spoke to him and called him, and said that, I'm gonna set you apart. I want you to separate from your, your home, from where your dad has established himself, he was 75, she was 65. So this is considered somewhere up there in age. And it's also peculiar because if you look at his lineage, most men, they had their child at a younger age. Like if you just go up the, 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 the generations and it wasn't until his father, Ter- Terah, Terah, he was 70 when he had Abram. So that was like, that was already up there. And so he's 75 when God, Told him that he's going to have this baby, and so it was it's was rather rather irregular for uh, to even believe that. But and this is something that Abraham. This is his first instance where he had to actually exert his faith. And the story could be ended. The story could finish right here with Abraham. He could have just believed, and it would happen. But no, 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 no. We all know that faith uh, has to be worked on and improved and. Um, over time, um, and so there's uh, uh, as he began down his journey, he left like like God told him to do, and he brought his nephew with him. His nephew's name is Lot. This is very very important because we are all familiar with the story about what happened, but here's more detail. He left with Lot. He left with Sarah and Lot's wife. They, they established themselves where they were going, but then Lot and Abram's possessions, they grew so big that they couldn't stay in the same area. So Lot went to Sodom and, and God came to Abram, told him to go towards these, this specific court, this specific location where he will make his, he would give to his kids in the future. And so uh, this is important because if you go further down the line Lot is in Sodom. We all know what happened with Sodom. There's a lot of wicked men there. Um, And and so God sent some angels to go and destroy it, but Lot is still there. And so Abram goes to God and said, please, if there's some people there that are good, that are righteous, please just save them, spare them. And he just went, he he just begged God, like, if there's 50, if there's and the numbers just kept going smaller and smaller. He said, please just save Lot. And so God honestly's request, he saved him and his wife. But unfortunately, you know, there were some casualties along the way. Um, but um, this, is, this is the point where, where, um, um, where he's developing a, a relationship, a commun- line of communication with God. And his faith, like I say, had to be tested over and over and over. And as I started going through each and every instance where he interacted with God, it started off with, just like a child would, just pure obedience. No question, no questions asked. You ask your child to do something, they do it. He started off there. But then as as the request that God made grew more and more um, ambitious, he began to express some doubt. So the first time he he spoke to him, um, uh, it was the, the small faith, that you you have a child, and he believed he went on went forward with it. then the next time he spoke, he said that he would give your your child he, um a land a particu- a particular land, and so what do you do right away he He built the an altar and worshiped God from that point. He will wind up there and build another altar, God will bring him back to the same place to fulfill the promise he made to him. But then there's another point where his, his childlike obedience began to take a turn, where God, um, after what happened in Sodom, um, he just, he had this, uh, uh, this God came to him and he told him that he's going to have a child and by this time, they already went through a, a particular situation where another child was born And God was telling him, "No." Uh, His wife told him, "I don't want that child around here anymore. We have Isaac. Um, Isaac was born at this time, and uh, God wanted to. um, I I just gave away the the conclusion. (laughs) But anyway, so look, God came to him. He was 99 years old, um, and he said that there would be another child born, and of, he looked at him and he laughed. He fell on his face and he laughed at God in response, like it wasn't just a immediate obedience, like he's, he's actually laughing at God and God told him and he said um, that he will be able to have, make him have a baby even though he's in uh, he's 100 years old and his, his wife at the time would have been 90. So they have Isaac. Now that they have Isaac, Sarah is not pretty fond of the other the child. They devised a plan um, where they skipped ahead in God's promise. God promised them a child. They said, let's just do it on our own. So they conspired to have a baby outside of the marriage. They had the baby, and, God, and he went to God and said, you know, before you give me this baby, my own Isaac, why don't you just give the, the, the promise to, to Ishmael? And uh, God said, you know what? I'll honor your, your request. I'll, I'll make a nation out of Ishmael, but the promise is originally with Isaac. And so he went forward with that. But then, uh, uh, even when in the Sodom and Gomorrah conversation, uh, it wasn't just a childlike response to him. When he spoke to God, he's, he pleaded with God. He, the interaction grew more intense. He didn't just walk away. He told him like, please save them, the few souls in, in Sodom, and then um, he 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 honored his request. Uh, and then we'll we'll also talk about the last one. Uh, this is like the ultimate response to God that that uh, that Abraham had. Uh, He told him to do something just totally radical with his son. And what I want to do is just go through that episode. In on Genesis 22, if you have a Bible app or a Bible with you, let's just go through it um, together. Genesis 22, it's the last book of the Bible. It's the first book of the Bible. Just checking to see if everybody's still with me. First book of the Bible, Genesis twenty-two. Genesis twenty-two, and starting with verse one, and I will skip through this very quickly. But I just wanted to bring you back to that moment. Now, keep in mind, before we start reading, think about everything that's going through Abraham's life. He went through all these ups and downs, interacting with God, being pulled apart from his from his uh, dwelling with his with his dad. having these, these battles with these kings, which we'll go deeper into, and then finally having a baby named Isaac, and God tells him to do what? He tells him to take Isaac. Verse, three, verse two, it says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains in which I should tell you. And so Abraham immediately did it. I, you would think that he'll argue or he'll, he'll make, make requests like he did with Sodom, but he did it immediately. It's almost as like um, after all these instances of faith, like he, it took him to this point to finally go back to that childlike faith and just do it without any questions. It's like his faith was made perfect. like It matured over time. And so he took, he took Isaac and uh, he had some people with him and told him to stay back. He took Isaac up to this mountain, exactly where um, God told him to. And is very important location. God is so precise. He knows exactly what he wants to do before he does it. Um, so verse, verse 6 is an important part. Skip down to verse 6, it says, So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it, like he's going to make a sacrifice. Start a fire, make a sacrifice. And he, he took the fire in his hand and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, He said, My father, in so many words, where's the, where's the, where's the, 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 the offering? Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, "God will provide." And uh, at this time, Abraham is is uh, is is not a, a kid anymore. So he willingly went up there with his with his with his father. He could have broke free. He could have ran away. But he went. Continue to move forward, even though everything didn't add up. And so, if we skip down to verse, um, verse nine, it says, "Then it came to a place in which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son. He bound him, and laid him at the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took out the knife to slay his son, but the and so he was getting ready." go through all this to, get, to grow to the point where he's gonna take out his son because his, his God, our, he, he was instructed to do it. But then the angel of the Lord said, what? Verse 12, verse 11, he said, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am, the same response he gave last time. He said, do not lay your hand on, on, on the lad or do anything I'm reading my wife's Bible. It's the, the, the whole context is, is different. But he said, don't lay your hand on your son. Um, and just, just, he looked over to, to, to the side and he saw a ram in a thicket in a bush. So he was able to sacrifice a lamb instead of his son. But I think the, 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 the most important point here is that he, he grew to the point of in his faith where he was going to get, going to get rid of, of the very thing that most of his life is built around his one and only son, it's uh, someone like, uh, it resembles uh, another situation that we all know about. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, I was thinking about the promise, timer. The promise that he made, um, Abraham, he lived his entire life um, thinking about something that was going to happen, a promise that was given to him that will happen in the future tense. And it was so far away, him having the birth of his son, but along along that way, there was several steps that he had to take to have to deal with the immediate, his immediate needs. And he had to rely on God he should have relied on God in those moments, but it wasn't until the last moment where he was tested by God in Genesis 22, when he finally was able to rely on God for his immediate need. And that was to provide a substitute for his son. And thinking about back to the rich man and Lazarus, I think that was his issue then. It wasn't that he didn't give anything to Lazarus, but that he lived his entire life here on earth not thinking about his immediate needs because he didn't need to, but not relying on God for something that's immediate. Somebody once told me that you don't have any issues until you have an issue that money can't resolve. And so, that he didn't have any issues, but he needed God, and he didn't know that until it was too late. And so, here's a couple of takeaways from that we can. From from today's sermon. So, trust God for. Um, if God has called you to do something, trust God for it. It may grow hard, it may be tough, you may grow weary, but if God called you to do it, it will come to fruition. Okay, and then don't distrust them for for the, the long term things, the, the the success, the the long term. Um, Um, lineage the generations don't don't just think long term think immediate too like what can God do to help you in your immediate time now Uh, whether it's ministering to someone whether it's praying for someone who's sick what can uh, keep God right there and for the immediate things too and last but not least if it's God ordained nothing can stop it from happening nothing can stop it from happening the situations that you're in the loss that you have, the mental illness, anything, sickness, nothing can stop something that's God-ordained from happening. No circumstances, not even your own personal actions. As we saw in Abraham's story, he tried to do several different things, but it just didn't stop the original plan from happening. And last but not least, God will not take back his word. Um, I was, I'll close it by just sharing a a quick um, story. Um, Back at home, as I was studying, I decided to take a break and take my my kids for a bike ride, but my oldest son was doing his homework. And I I told him, I made him a promise. I said, I'll come back. Um, I'm gonna let you do your homework, but I'm gonna come back. And when you come back, when I come back, I'll take you for a bike ride. I'm gonna take them. I'm gonna come back for you, but you have to do your homework. And I promised it to, to him. And I left, and when we, when we was out for our bike ride, we saw some beautiful views, and we wanted to go to the park. We did all these things, and I forget that I still, I, no matter what, I still had to be back at that certain time. I told him I'd be back in 40 minutes. So when I came back, everything stopped me, tried to stop me from fulfilling my promise. I was asked to do some housework, Uh, There was uh, so many different text messages, so many different things that wanted to stop me from from fulfilling my promise. Um, But I knew that he was waiting for it. And when I came back, uh, there was like a level of expectation for us to go out and go on a bike ride. And uh, uh, I think that the same situation happens for, for God, is that no matter what happens, whether it's on his side where he has to step in and um, whether it's ca- causing people to come, to remember or be plagued or like the kings were or t- t- whatever he has to do to intervene to make his promise f- be fulfilled or even on, on our side, whether we try to um, work certain scenarios out or situ- uh, make our situations feel uh, be better. No matter what the case is, on either side, that ultimate end will happen. And uh, I was just thinking about that when I saw that story, so when I, when I, when I experienced that at home. But this is Abraham. Um, uh, like Hugh said, we spoke about um, nowhere in the past, and um, we speak about Abraham today. In the future, we'll t- talk about Moses. So I encourage you all to read ahead, look at Hebrews 11, look at some of the, the characters in Hebrews 11, and begin to explore their story and see what kind of lessons you can you can gain from from doing that and become come prepared for next week all right thanks again for listening we hope you were encouraged don't forget to connect with us through our website restoration.life as well as on facebook and instagram